Good morning and welcome to The Extra, the show that connects you with the issues, people, and topics that are important to you. And certainly one topic that we have tackled in the past, but we continue to revisit it because it's such an important cause. Uh, It has to do with the children of our community, the children who need uh, advocates in their corner. You know, in the new year, many of us do make New Year's resolutions or think about what we're going to do differently moving forward. And one thing that comes up for a lot of people is finding a way to help our community or to make a difference in the community. And today we're going to be talking with the folks from a local nonprofit that do just that. They provide an opportunity for community members to get involved and make a difference for victims of child abuse. Casa, the Pikes Peak region, is our guest today. And Casa recruits volunteers to advocate for victims of child abuse and neglect uh, issues we don't like to think about, but those children, they need our help. Joining us this morning with more information on how you can make this a goal for 2023 and get involved, we're so glad to have with us Angela Rose, Executive Director of CASA of the Pikes Peak Region. Angela, welcome to The Extra. Hi, thanks so much for having us today. We really appreciate it. Oh, glad to have you. And David Seals is one of CASA's volunteers, some 400 volunteers who are helping out in the court system in Colorado Springs. David, I'm excited to hear your testimony and what you're going to be saying about uh, why this has been a worthwhile cause for you to get involved in. David, welcome to The Extra. Thank you. It's a joy to be here. Well, glad to have you. We'll talk to you in a bit, David. But let's start with Angela. Uh, Let's have our listeners, if they have not been introduced or know more about this uh, program, let's have them learn a little bit about CASA. Can you tell us how CASA got started and and what need you meet in our community? Yeah, there was actually a judge in the state of Washington named Judge Sukup, and He was making decisions on a lot of uh, cases for kids and realized that he just didn't have enough information to make the best decisions possible. And so he thought community volunteers might be a way to solve that. And he had a meeting and about 50 people showed up. And that was the beginning uh, of CASA some 40 years ago. And, you know, now we've moved to over 900 CASA programs across 49 of our states. There's 18 local CASA programs right here in Colorado Springs. And CASA, the Pikes Peak region, we serve the fourth judicial district, so all of El Paso and Teller County. Well, I, I like that this is something that started in Washington State and 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 grew outward because I'm from Washington State, so proving good things come from Washington <laughs> State and uh, landing in Colorado. Let's talk about though the Pikes Peak region and and the need for Casa here. How how great is the need? Well, the need is great. We know that at any given time, there's about 800 kids in the Pikes Peak region that need a Casa. Last year, we were able to serve 625 of them. So you can see that, you know, we're over 100 short, and we need, the way we serve those kids is to get more volunteers. So um, the other thing that has impacted us is the pandemic did bring more kids into the system, and we're still about 50% higher than we were pre-pandemic as far as number of kids that need a CASA. Mm. That is uh, something that's concerning, of course. What are some of the main reasons that you see kids entering the system and and needing an advocate, a court-appointed special advocate in the first place? 
Well, the biggest reason is probably substance abuse. Unfortunately, um, some of our parents get um, addicted to some kind of a substance, and then that that um, substance becomes more important than anything else. And so they end up neglecting their kids, um, you know, using drugs, drinking. Uh, sometimes that drives them to homelessness or domestic violence or other uh, issues that all become a problem for the kids. We also have some parents with mental health needs um, that aren't able to take care of their kids because of those mental health needs. So we just do whatever we can to um, solve those issues that bring these families into the system so that we can reunite the families. And as you mentioned, the need for volunteers to become CASAs is pretty great uh, with those uh, 100 or so uh, kids uh, that that you have coming into the system above and beyond uh, the number of volunteers that you have. And that's in addition to the ones who, uh, you know, we're talking about who can be matched one to one. For listeners who are thinking that maybe they could be a CASA volunteer, what would you like them to know? What kind of personality type or our person are you looking for? Well, you know, I always say the biggest thing we need is someone who has a heart for kids. If they have a heart for kids, we can help with everything else. And for our kids, that one trusted adult, which can be a CASA volunteer, can totally make the difference for a child who's at risk. So um, once they have a heart for kids, there's no other specific background we need or or kind of personality or, or jobs that you've done. Um, we'll do a background check, an interview, an application. We'll train you. And then the best part is that we have staff here. Our, our job as staff is to take care of the volunteers and serve the volunteers while they're on the front lines doing the work. So um, they come in and then we take care of them and help them however they need help for the rest of the case. Now, court systems can be a little intimidating to a lot of people. I, you know, most people don't ever have any dealings with court systems. Personally, I, I love courtrooms because I've covered my fair share of cases. And so I feel pretty at home there. Uh, but uh, but they're intimidating to uh, a lot of people. So you do provide that training, right, to reassure people, to let them know that uh, we're going to be holding your hand and as you go through this? Absolutely. And even, you're right, the courtroom can be intimidating. So those first couple times that our volunteers go to court, we're right there beside them in the courtroom, show them where to sit, talk about what they need to say, um, and and how to do their court reports. So we're, we're right there with them. And the judges, of course, see uh, the CASA volunteers as an important team member, not not going to make them feel uh, in any way, uh, you know, less than they're there to support them because the job they're doing, the advocating for the kids is such an important job. Um, uh, Carrie, uh, excuse me, <laughs> sorry, Angela, where can listeners go for more information? Best place is to go to our website, which is casappr.org. All right. Angela, stick around if you don't mind on our news line, and we'll talk to you a little bit later on. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about the specifics of becoming a CASA volunteer. What makes people be drawn to this kind of volunteer opportunity? That and more as the extra continues. You're listening to the extra right here on KRDO News Radio. Welcome back.
Welcome back to The Extra. Our guest today, Angela Rose, Executive Director of CASA, the Pikes Peak Region, and also David Seals, one of CASA's 400 volunteers uh, working to better the lives of children right here in the Pikes Peak Region. And David, you've been a CASA volunteer, I understand, for a while now. Uh, can you explain to our listeners why you were drawn to this type of volunteer work? What really got you into it? Yeah, so... You have to promise not to judge me uh, for my musical taste. Okay. Here. But uh, <laughs> what happened was that I was listening to a song, a new song that I heard on um, the radio, on repeat, actually. It was on the Spotify. And I was like, wow, I love this song. It's kind of depressing, though. And I was thinking to myself, I should make a playlist of all the songs I've ever listened to on repeat because I resonated with them so much. And so I made that playlist. And then I was like, oh, my goodness, these are all really, really depressing. Do I have a problem? <laughs> and, uh, in fact, I said, or do I have a gift? And it occurred, occurred to me in that moment that um, I can sit in suffering and melancholy uh, really, really well and be comfortable in that space. And I thought, um, I should use that gift. Like, I'm not bothered by the tough stuff of life. And so how can I volunteer and use that impulse to give back to the community? And so I found CASA through some friends who talked about that work and uh, went to an info session to kind of feel it out and see if if maybe it would be the right thing for me. And um, the rest is history from there. And, And it has lived up to that in, in some ways. And a lot of the kids I've worked with who have gone through some hard things in other ways, um, it actually hasn't been hardened that way as much as I had thought because a lot of times the kids that you're working with have gone through tough stuff, but you're not walking through that with them because they've been pulled out of that situation. So they're not in it anymore. And you're on the other side getting able to be the voice that is, is inspiring them and, and helping them understand the, uh, uh, how that's going to be okay. Interesting. So very insightful on your own personality and what you were able to realize about yourself. (laughs) But uh, glad that it drew you to this cause. Uh, So you talk about some of the uh, children and the various um, spots on the big arc that they're dealing with. And it sounds like, uh, you know, depending on the child, you're going to meet them at different places on their on their journey. Tell us about some of the children that you've worked with that you can share their stories. Yeah, so you put yourself in, in a child's shoes and you're pulled out of the home. And that's a traumatic thing, no matter what the reason is. And that reason, you know, Angela walked through some of the reasons that could be, you know, it could be a moment in time that something traumatic happened or it could be the discovery of a longer set of neglect or, you know, or whatnot. So, you know, the kids that, that I'm working with are kids that, that have experienced something really difficult and when you meet them for the first time they've got a caseworker and they've got an attorney who's assigned to them that we call a guardian ad litem and they've got you know a whole slew of other professionals maybe a therapist that they're working with and that is overwhelming that is confusing in addition to just like being removed from the home i've been living in where at least i knew as a child kind of what to expect even if that wasn't great. And so I find that, like, when you go into a house the first time, I mean, as part of my day job, I speak in front of audiences, sometimes of hundreds of CEOs of the world's biggest companies, and I'm not nervous. 
But I don't think I've ever been more nervous than the first time I walked into the first case uh, that I had into the, the home where I was going to meet a couple of kids mm. because I was like, am I going to mess up? What am I going to do that's, you know, that's wrong? Or, or will they understand kind of, you know, my role? And am I going to mess it up? And, you know, <laughs> and so once I got in there, though, immediately, you start to realize that these are kids who just need some stability. They just need someone who's looking out for the bigger bigger picture, who can in some ways kind of quarterback the team and say, all right, you've got all these professionals in your life, but what are what is, when I look across all of them, what is the best thing for you in this moment? And how do I go in and tell a judge that this is what I truly think is the best thing? And, and you have to prioritize uh, their needs and and make sure that the judge is understanding that because uh, you know as was mentioned at the top of this hour uh, the judges often prior to CASA existing didn't have you know anyone who was specifying that who was laying it out there um, so what is the day to day look like when you're talking about volunteering as a CASA for a kid what are some of the specific tasks that you do for the kids with whom you work. Yeah, it's a great question. So when you think about um, all the, we have amazing caseworkers here in El Paso County and amazing attorneys who stand in the spaces of helping these children, but they all have very large caseloads and unfortunately too large sometimes because they're, they've got all these kids to pay attention to and they're, they're understaffed. And so the role of ACASA in my view is to, to be the person who only has one case you know, or maybe a couple cases at most, and be able to spend a more focused time on that child's life. So I spend time talking to the caseworker. I spend time talking to the attorney. I spend time talking to the kid's school. Um, and in the case that I'm on right now, I'm actually in the online portal for his school, so I can see when he's doing homework or not, and I can, you know, work with foster mom to make sure that he's getting his assignments in. And talking to his therapist from time to time to make sure that he's going and, and is making progress. When I have all of those different conversations, I weave that together into a story for the judge periodically. And we go into the court and, and I give a written report in advance, but then I give an oral report to the judge that says, here's what I think is the story of this child's life right now. Here's a picture of this child, by the way, so that, that they're not just a, a name on a piece of paper. And I make recommendations based on what I think is best. Now, the judge ultimately decides, but, but in my view, it's about just putting forth the best recommendation. And the judges listen to CASA because they know that we have a unique perspective um, and we have a really focused perspective on just one or, or, or two children. And you're the voice for the child, really. Um, what would you What would you tell someone, David, who is thinking about becoming a CASA volunteer? I would say go to an info session uh, with CASA. It's an hour of your time. They'll give you some lunch in exchange for your time, and and come prepared with questions. And then if you feel like, yeah, I think I could see this. Sign up for the training because the training tells you a lot and starts to give you, uh, you know, a much more detailed view of the job. And even if you don't make it all the way through the training, if, if you bow out and say, you know what, actually this isn't quite the, the thing for me, um, you will have learned something about a system that if you're lucky you haven't had much to do with in your life.
And, and that will make you a better informed citizen, even if you decide not to move forward. But just go down, take the next step today, go to the CASA website, sign up for an info session, and just keep taking that next step. Because I think you'll find that once you get in there and it's all demystified and you begin to get your head around it, that you will be one of the most meaningful people in this person's young life that, that they've ever experienced. And we need more, uh, as you heard. There's a hundred families that don't have, a hundred kids that don't have a cost so, and they really need one. Well, David, uh, very impactful uh, what you've said, and uh, hopefully it's as inspiring to others out there as it is to me listening to this and uh, being a part of this conversation. And if any of our listeners would like to find out more, do look them up online, CASA, C-A-S-A-P-P-R dot org. Also, you can follow them on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. David, stick around. We have more of the extra up ahead. We're going to be talking about what's the steps, what sort of steps uh, do you need to take to be joining this worthy organization and how you can make it a part of your 2023. Maybe it's a resolution you know, how to become a force for positive change in the community. That and more when the extra continues. Welcome back as we continue our conversation with the folks from CASA. CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates. CASA for the Pikes Peak region helps close to uh, hundreds of children here in the Pikes Peak region annually. And right now they are seeking more volunteers to help. They already have about 400 volunteers in their system. Uh, but right now there's a shortfall of about 100 children and families who really need that extra voice that is going to be there for the children who are involved in child abuse and neglect cases. Uh, Angela Rose is the executive director. And Angela, uh, we talked with David, very inspirational, how he got involved, what he's found since becoming a CASA, how it both meets and is a little different from some of the expectations. And, and I think that's probably true for anyone getting involved in volunteer ac- activities and opportunities. So Angela, uh, what would you say? How do you prepare your volunteers uh, to work in situations that have fluid dynamics like these? Well, I think the, the first really important thing is that, you know, we could spend months training volunteers and never cover everything that they need to know on a case because <laughs> every case is different. Right. So many variables. Yes. So, yeah. So we try to kind of go from a big picture perspective and let them know a lot of things that could come into contact uh, with them. And then that's why we have always somebody by their side for the specifics of their case. But a few of the things we might cover, you know, we do role plays on case examples so that they can kind of see what might come up. We talk a lot about culture and inclusion and making sure that we're meeting these kids where they're at and making them feel welcome in whatever setting that they're in. Uh, we talk a little bit about the Children's Code, which are the Colorado statutes that guide what ACOSTA can and cannot do. Um, so those are, are very important. And then once they become CASAs, we ask that they take 12 additional hours each year of continuing education that 
we might offer here or it might be something offered out in the community. And that can kind of help them zone in on something that maybe they want to know more about with the case they're currently on or just something that they have an interest in. We try to provide a wide range of things that they can learn about there. All and right. I spoke about this. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Angela. I was just going to say, I talked a little bit before, but our case supervisors and some more senior volunteers we have that are called peer coordinators then support these advocates uh, about things that come up individually on their cases, make sure that they know they're never left alone. Okay, because, you know, each child is individual, their background is individual, maybe the programs they're involved in, individual, uh, they may have, you know, special challenges that are unique to them or their families. And and David, bringing you into this conversation, uh, we talked a bit about the training, but how did you feel the training addressed and prepared you for uh, meeting all the different issues that you might meet? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because there's, as I mentioned before, there's a lot of things we don't understand if we haven't been a part of the system. And there are acronyms, there are rules, there are, you know, a lot of different things that you have to learn. But, you know, I would say you think about watching a football game and you think about the number of Americans who could tell you, like, the nuances of every single rule on the field and the things that we learn that are complex um, don't have to be intimidating, right? They can be fun. And so I think what, what CASA did for me was it kind of gave me the rule book and the training where I began to understand, okay, here's all of the acronyms. Here's some nuances about the way that people react in trauma. Here's some things that you should understand about the, the various court professionals that you'll encounter on your way in the door. All of that is learnable, and it just takes a commitment to do it. So, you know, I found that because I had a heart for it, at every step I was kind of looking for the exit door a little bit, if I'm honest, to say, like, is this going to be the right fit for me? And, in fact, I felt so supported all the way along that I never had to take that exit door. And even after the training was over, my peer coordinator is is just on speed dial for me. I will hit him up and say, Michael, um, I just encountered this thing. I don't know what to do. How should I handle it? And he's always great about helping me uh, deeply understand, you know, kind of what I should do in a given moment. And the last thing I'll say there is we need men as well. And we need all kinds of volunteers. So if you're out there, you know, and you're thinking about this, you know, join up. But particularly, I find that, that there's a lot of female volunteers and, and a lot of the children are young men who I think could benefit from having a figure in their life who is stable and there for them, who is also a man as well. So if you're out there, especially as a fellow, I would encourage you even more to, to sign up. Mm, there are a lot of uh, uh, men who do understand that there's a need for, uh, you know, role models and people who can uh, be there for kids and, and they sign up to be coaches and things like this. But uh, there is a, a community of children that really could use their help uh, through who are going through the legal system through no fault of their own. Angela, uh, you mentioned uh, some of these uh, introductory sessions. How can people learn more about these volunteer opportunities? Yeah, well, the next one we're having is on January 10th, and we'd love to have some people come out and check us out. 
Uh, they're over the, the next one on January 10th is over the lunch hour. And as David mentioned, we will give you food. We'll provide you some sandwiches. And they can RSVP on our website, casappr.org, to attend that information hour. And if that one doesn't happen to work for you, there will be another one on February 1st. And it really is a good idea to come and just hear more about what we do and make sure it's a good fit for you. We want it to be a, a good fit for the people who come in. And then from there, we'll have them fill out an application, do an interview, and enroll in one of our training classes. And just in case there's somebody out there that already knows, yes, this is what I want to do, um, you can just go to our website and fill out an application, and we'll bring you in that way. All right. Well, we have another segment of the extra here. Uh, again, check them out at casappr.org. We'll be back after these messages. Welcome back to The Extra as we uh, enter our final segment here of our conversation today with the folks from CASA. Now, CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate. And what that means is you are an advocate for a child who is involved in the legal system uh, through no fault of their own, but in some sort of child abuse or neglect case. And you are in the court advocating for that child, being the voice of the child. It's a volunteer opportunity unlike none other. And really, it's one that is in desperate need here in the Pikes Peak region. We've seen the numbers of children needing uh, causes, as they're called, to uh, is on the upswing, as we heard from Angela Rose, uh, a high point that we haven't seen, uh, really, uh, and definitely higher than what we had pre-pandemic. And in the meantime, even though there are 400 good-hearted people in the Pikes Peak region who are volunteering as CASAs. There is a need for more. So we're so glad to have Angela Rose, who is an advocate for this program, as the executive director of CASA PPR, joining us. And uh, Angela, we'll talk to you in just a moment about what people should do if they want to take the first step. David Seals, who is a CASA volunteer, uh, I'd like you to spend these final minutes here explaining to our audience, to our listeners, why they or maybe someone they know who has some extra time, maybe a retiree or a stay-at-home mom or dad, should consider becoming a CASA volunteer. Oh, looks like we lost David. Angela, what would you say to that? <laughs> well, I, I would say that, um, as we said earlier, if you have a love for children, uh, this is something that you should consider doing because I started many, many more years than I want to say um, as a volunteer before I became uh, on staff at this organization. And it's, it's hard work, but it will be the most fulfilling work that you'll ever do. You'll see a child get from a place where they're hurting, they're, they don't feel safe, and, and you see them come to a much better place where they feel safe they feel like they can um, thrive in the environment instead of always being scared and wondering maybe where their next meal is coming from. So there, there's just nothing um, like it, and we will, we will train you. If you have a love for children, you should come and join us uh, in this mission. And and so, Angela, uh, as people move through these steps, the, I mean, the first step, obviously, is is indicating an interest 
uh, to CASA PPR, and I'm sure you can do that through even giving either giving you a call or checking uh, checking out your website on the internet, which is casappr.org. But what should people do if they want to take this first step? Well, they should, um, as we mentioned, come out to our information hour on January 10th. Of course, they can call us. We're always happy to talk to anyone who might be interested. If they want to come visit us and take, there are some things that we do here that you can see right in our building. We'd be happy to give you a tour and tell you more about CASA as well. You can go and just read through our website. There's a lot of information on the website. So lots of ways that people can uh, get involved. And, you know, we have a couple of other programs here too. So if this one sounds like maybe it's a little too much, then get on our website and read about our couple of our other programs and maybe you can get involved in a different way. And and Angela, tell us about the children who, who need this assistance because I think that's uh, really where you connect with people, connect with volunteers is when they hear about these children's cases. Well, you know, I'll share a story about one of the first cases I had, and this was a little boy who was severely abused by mom's um, boyfriend. And when I first met him, if you can imagine a, a child's eyes maybe on Christmas morning since we just passed Christmas, and they have that sparkle in their eye, and they're all excited. And when I first met this little boy, there was just no light in his eyes. His face was just kind of blank. And as I worked with him over about a 24-month period, um, we tried to get him back to his own parents, and that just wasn't going to work out. So he ended up getting adopted. And by the time that happened, he had that sparkle back in his eye. He had a smile back on his face. And that's what keeps me coming in every day to do what I do here, because I want all kids to have a sparkle in their eye and feel like they're safe and, and they're happy. Well, we certainly hope that uh, there are those listening out there who say, you know, I, maybe I spend a couple extra hours doing, you know, church volunteer work or other volunteer work, but I can set aside the time and do this because it does make a difference in the lives of these children. And it does make a difference in making sure our entire community is whole and can be healed when these cases do go through the courts. I mean, maybe it's a case where uh, there's some mistaken information. Maybe it's a case where there's a serious intervention needed, but no matter what or where it falls on that big spectrum, the children need to have their voices heard by the judges and uh, those on all sides of the legal case. So uh, it's very important what you're doing, and we salute the work that you do. Uh, We know we get your news releases, Angela, where you say, you know, another 16 volunteers have been sworn as, as CASAs. So there is progress that's being made on adjusting and addressing and getting volunteers to meet the shortfall. But as you've mentioned, uh, more volunteers are needed for this very worthy cause. Check them out at casappr.org. Angela Rose, Executive Director of Casa of the Pikes Peak Region. Thank you for joining us here on The Extra. Thank you, Shannon. I really appreciate it. And to David Seals, who uh, unfortunately had to ring off, but he was one of the CASA volunteers and a great voice, a great advocate uh, for this position as a CASA volunteer. We thank him for his insight as well. You've been listening to The Extra here on KRDO News Radio. Join us again for an hour of conversation Wednesday at 9. We'll talk to you then.